Welcome to Midweek Motivation on Wove Inspiration, the extra push you need to keep moving forward. Well, good afternoon. This is Althea with Wove Inspiration's Midweek Motivation, and I am so excited to be able to interview my special guest. Now, earlier on Monday morning, I was able to interview one of my other uh, classmates from my speaking or my speech workshop, and I am now fortunate enough to be able to interview another one of my classmates from my from the workshop. And her name is Terry Lynn Vaughn Wood. She is the founder and director of Shepphony. Is that, am I saying that correctly? It, well, it's like Epiphany, but she, like she had an epiphany, she, so she Epiphany. She Epiphany. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is a name. I love it. Well, thank you thank so you. much for being on the show, Terry. <laughs> thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, I appreciate the opportunity and, and meeting you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because you're you're in Florida and you came all the way here to Houston, Texas for the workshop. So that that was pretty cool in it itself. I did. And I met some amazing ladies at that workshop, I have to say. I already knew Thesha, but it was incredible to meet you and Tiana and everybody. It was just it was a great I, I thought it was well worth it. So Oh yeah, definitely. So how did you come up with the the name of your um foundation? Well, because I felt like a woman who is in domestic violence, when you're in it, you're in survival mode. You're just doing what you have to do every day. You're walking on eggshells. You're trying to keep your kids safe. You're trying to, you're just trying to survive the situation. And it takes some kind of aha moment. And and it's different for everybody, but it takes some kind of epiphany where you go, where a light goes off and, and everything you've been telling yourself about why you have to stay. Yeah. Changes and you have this this epiphany, this God moment of why you actually have to leave. So I thought of epiphany, but there were so many things named epiphany when I did my search for my business. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to name it She Epiphany. Okay. <laughs> when, when a woman has an epiphany, you know, that moment when she knows it's time to make a change. Yeah, it's, it's, it's long overdue. But, you know, yes. it's interesting how that happens. Um, I know there's a statistic that I've read that it takes um, one nine times out of nine times out of that for that individual to make that final decision that enough is enough. And it's a yes. shame that it takes that many times for it to, to, for them to realize that they do not have to be in that situation. But, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you know, there are ways uh, for the abuser <laughs> to convince them that, you know, oh, I'm not going to do it again. Oh, this is just the last time. Oh, or they may oh, yeah. put it on that, on that, <laughs> like it's their fault that mm-hmm. they did what they did or whatever. So it's, it's, that's definitely a really good um, title for your organization because it is, a, it is, it does come to a point where there's a little light bulb that pops on and says, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely well, time for me to and, go. <laughs> and I have to say one thing we talked about when we met, and it was so, I, I've said it before to people, but nobody really reacted to it the way you did. And I thought, oh, you know, when somebody gets it and it clicks, yeah. because um, the truth is a woman of faith 
will stay a lot longer. Um, a Christian woman, a woman who, who believes God hates divorce, and he does, but he, he hates treachery. He hates the man being treacherous and causing the divorce, if you really read the scriptures about it. And it's just not being, there's nothing being said about domestic violence in the typical church on a Sunday morning. But if one in three women experience domestic violence, it's just, it goes without saying that there are women sitting in the pew who are experiencing domestic abuse or they've been a victim of it hmm. and nobody's talking about it. And all they hear is you have to stay together no matter what, yeah. you know, you have to try 150%. You have to try 200%. You have to forgive by the content of your character. You can change him. Mm-hmm. And all those things are true, but not if you're in danger, you know, not if he's mentally ill, not if he's a narcissist, not if he's a sociopath. So yeah, exactly. but those things are, it's not said if you're in danger, that's a different story and you need to leave mm-hmm. or we will help you leave. Or if you're being abused, come to us. We won't allow that in this church. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. men, if you're not being the true head of your home, if you're not being the head of the home as Christ is the head of the church, then we're not going to allow that here. You know, mm-hmm. you, your wife can come to us for help and we will give it to her. That's not ever said. So yeah. it's just, um, it's interesting, but I was really glad that, you know, you didn't ju- the, the usual thing is, Oh, divorce, that's taboo. <laughs> huh? oh my. You know, you, yeah, no. yeah, no, really. You know, I, I really had people say to me as I was going through the divorce, they would say, where's your husband? And I said, you know, we're going through a divorce. Oh, but he's such a great guy. I said, I said, no. And I had to think of, you know, at that moment, you have to say, now, how do I respond in a Christian way to that comment? Yeah. Trying to choose the words wisely on that one. (laughs) Exactly. But I, so I said, I would calm myself down and I would say, he seemed like a great guy, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but, uh, yeah, women stay for a lot of different reasons. And, um, and then they finally leave for various reasons as well. But usually when they're more afraid of staying than they are of leaving, that's when they leave. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So in your organization, um, you provide uh, coaching and divorce recovery. Can you go on a little bit more detail about what you actually offer? Yes. So this is um, a ministry as I was coming out of it, I just thought, this is not just for me. This I can help other people yeah. in the same situation because I've been through it. And so people are usually referred to me by a friend. I have um, a director, a women's director who refers people to me. And um, the way I help them is just by, I think one thing that's missing, let me just say this first, in the, in the typical domestic violence shelter or domestic violence counseling center that's federally funded, Mm -hmm. peer counseling is not usually emphasized. And having somebody who is trained in being an advocate, but they've also been through it is a huge difference. Yeah. Because when that, and especially, and especially for a woman of faith, because when they're talking to somebody who says, I've been exactly where you are, it helps them really the women that I've talked to and I've helped and I've counseled counseled. They don't take nine times to leave because they, they see it more clearly and they see it more quickly when you can say, I've walked exactly the path that you're on right now. And I've seen that before. And this is what happens. Mm 
-hmm. and this is what they're going to say and this is what they're going to do. And you're saying, I have to do this because this is what my religion says, but have you gone and prayed to God and have you said, what would you have me do? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So I don't, and the other thing is my ministry, and I know that, I know this is a, a strange topic, but I don't charge anyone for helping them. And I've thought before, I've thought before about how do you monetize something like this? But the truth is a woman in this situation, financial abuse is normally always a part of domestic abuse. Yeah. Because if you could just get in your car and you had money in the bank and you could leave, you probably would. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, if you didn't have to say, how will I take these three kids and go live somewhere when I don't even have gas for the car? You probably would do that. So I have done this. This is solely my ministry. It's not something I even fundraise for at the moment. So I work and then I do this as a ministry. But, <laughs> you know, I know. I know. No, it's not, no, I, no. And I've heard uh, it. I'm laughing because I, I, it, there was an epiphany <laughs> for myself <laughs> in that okay. um, maybe a couple of, maybe about a couple of months ago, uh, you know, uh-huh. I, my, my idea was, of um doing biblical counseling which i'm a biblical counselor and a life coach and Uh at one point i was you know wanting to or trying to set a fee and i Uh said uh well god said to me he was like well you know salvation is free so why would you charge for biblical counseling i said okay i tell you i i just got (laughs) chills when you said it and and you know we're gonna make some people mad having that conversation. Of course, so, of course. And 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 I'm not saying that anyone. Now I do have people. I do know people who do it, and they fund. I don't see anything wrong with fundraising if you're taking that money, mm-hmm. and you're using it to, um, maybe. Okay, let me say this: if I could do this full time, mm-hmm. and I could get some type of payment, and therefore I didn't have to work a full time job as well, then I could counsel more women to freedom. Right. So that would be, you know, but I'm not going to do it so I can drive a Mercedes. So that's just, you know, that's my personal feeling on it. Yeah. So I understand exactly. But it's just, you got to be careful if you're saying to me, it's an awesome responsibility to say ministry. Yeah. So definitely. if I was, if I was going to change it, I'm probably going to call it my business, not my ministry. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right because... now it's my ministry. Ms. <laughs> I do, I do, you know, like I said, I do biblical counseling and that portion of it is free because again, we're mm-hmm. dealing, we're talking about the Bible and the word that is, is very capable of, of healing. So yes. why would I charge people now when it comes to life coaching, there's a, there is work that needs to yes. be done and there is an investment mm-hmm. that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. So I diff- mm-hmm. that's, you know, ministry wove ministries is under mm-hmm. our, um, our church. So mm-hmm. ministries encompasses, you know, biblical counseling and that's where it's going to be. And, but, you know, of course, life coaching is some completely different and that's yes. where work gets, comes into play. So I completely and totally agree with you. You should not mm-hmm. have to charge, particularly women who are coming out of a domestic violence situation. A lot of times right. when they come out of that, yeah, they do not have any money because the no. abuser had control of the financial mm-hmm. 
part of Mm -hmm. the household. And they made sure he or she, because there are instances where it's a, you know, the type of relationship Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. abuser made sure in particular that he was going to keep that money and be Mm -hmm. in control of the finances so that all she can do is depend on him. And that's exactly major. Well, I, I have, I will say I have charged for coaching because that's, like you said, that's a whole different ball game. So I have charged for just coaching, but not for this. And, um, which what we're, since we're talking about financial abuse, um, my ex-husband, this is how I found out we were getting divorced. Um, I, it, it had been really escalating and I knew it was getting to the point where I had to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out exactly how I was going to do that. And he came home one day and said that he had put all the money in an account in his name only and he was leaving for LA. Mm. So I said, oh, well, I, ha- I still had three daughters at home. So I said, well, you know, I have no money. I have nothing. If you do that, you know, you can't just leave with no money and not pay the bills or anything. I, I would have to get a full-time job. I'm not done with school yet. At that time I was getting my degree because the writing was definitely on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, because again, it was really getting bad, un, unlivable, untenable. And, um, he, not only did he take all the money, he left that Monday took all the money, but then he, I went down that Monday morning, I got a restraining order and filed for divorce because I knew he was going to do it in California Mm -hmm. and I would have no way to answer it. Oh, so I did that. Yeah. So I would have been in real trouble. So I did that. So I would at least try to get child support. I did that. And I had a free legal aid attorney. I had to do, um, Oh, what do you call it? I can't remember now, but where you have no money. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I had a legal, a free legal aid attorney who didn't care anything about my divorce, trust me, but at least I had my restraining order so he couldn't come back in the house. Yeah. And because of the violence and, um, he came and took all the, he took everything, the furniture, all the money, all the furniture. The only thing he left was my daughter's beds and their clothes. And I had mm-hmm. to try to find somewhere to live and a job and everything, you know, real quick. Cause I only had a part-time job and that was intentional as well. Yeah. Because every time I would say something about getting a job, who's going to do everything you do if you get a job, you know? And, and when I would say, you know, we're not going to be able to continue to live this way. We cannot continue this way. I mean, the girls are crying. You're doing, you know, you're being, he, he was, he had gotten to the point where he would stand over them. It's one thing when it's mm-hmm. me, but he would stand over them with his fist balled up. Like it was going to, you know, like shaking and rage, like he was going to punch them or something. And I said, you know, we cannot, we're not going to be able to continue to live this way. Yeah. And he said, you know, and he would say, where are you going to go? You don't have a dime. Okay. So, you know, and it was true. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. So it was, it was interesting, but you know, that's why I say this to women when I'm talking to them, when it's time to go, I remember walking through it and this has only happened to me twice in my life, but I was walking through, I had been praying and just crying out to God. How is, you know, we got to get out of here. This is not safe. A lot of things happen, but it was really not safe. Yeah. And I remember walking through my bedroom into the bathroom and I heard audibly, I'm about to set you free from this. Mm. And I thought, and my first thought was, are you going to kill him? <laughs> are we going <laughs> old Testament? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but it was that this was going to happen. He knew, God knew that he was getting ready to leave and take everything. I didn't know. But when he tells you it's time to move, you know, 
looking at that, it was like, how am I going to do this? I have three kids, a little part-time job. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know where I'm moving to or what I'm moving there with. Yeah. But when he tells you it's time to go, you know, like the story where, you know, just, just pack the donkey and go because it'll all work. I mean, it is going to work out. Absolutely. Because if you are right and you are not doing anything wrong and you are, you have, you, when you are blameless, he has you covered. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is, you know? And in, in a short amount of time, I own a condo. I own my car. I'm helping other women. I have a full-time job. Wow. You know, it's, it's all worked out. Yeah. So it, it yeah. will, he will cover you, bless you, restore what the locust is eating. He, God is yeah. real. You know, yeah. people can say whatever they want to say, but I know who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you can so. you can trust him for sure. And it and it really, you know, it's really hard to see at that moment because you're dealing with so much in front of you. It's it's what's right. visible that makes it really challenging for you to believe mm-hmm. that you're actually going to be able to come out of this and overcome. Right. But I have mm-hmm. always lived and and love the word that says that all things work together for the good of them that love God and who are the called according to yes. the purpose and, 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 and pay, uh, purpose and will. So mm-hmm. when we are the called, when we love God and we trust and believe God, even in the midst of the storms, because we continue to trust him, he is faithful to make sure that he's going to take care of us. It is guaranteed. Right. It may not look like it. It may like uh-uh. everything is just completely broke up and toe up. Mm-hmm. And you may mm-hmm. feel like that. <laughs> but but God, and you yeah. are a you are definitely a living testimony to that for sure. Well, thank you. Hey. Well, it's what what you said, I want to point that out. What you just said, it's it's hard to see it when you were in that moment. Yeah, because your logic, your brain tells you, you, you can't leave. You have, you don't have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. You don't have any money. You can't just take these, you can't just drag these kids out of here and say, we're leaving, leaving to go where, Right. <laughs> you know, and, the, and typically you're not going to have a strong relationship with your family. You know, you're not going to really have any, you're not going to have a family home to go home to. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I've also talked to a lot of women and no matter, you may have it together and you may be living your life as a Christian and you may want your life to be totally opposite than it was as a child. But many of those women were sexually abused and or physically abused as children. So they have that brokenness, you know, that broken, they're, they're, you know, they're Mm -hmm. perfect and they're going to do everything perfect, but they have woundedness inside of them that they've never had counseling for the real count, the kind of counseling you're talking about. Mm -hmm. They've just, covered it you know I'm fine everything's good and and they go out and they choose the wrong man because the red flags that most people would notice right away women who've grown up in dysfunction don't notice those red flags the same way right because he's not he's not as crazy as what you know as what I lived in as what my mother and father was you know Mm -hmm. as what I saw growing up so I mean in the neighborhood I grew up in the woman next door to me my next door neighbor her husband threw her out the window when she was nine months pregnant. Wow. So, you know, we saw stuff like that all the time. It was just, you know, there was domestic violence in my home. I saw that growing up and then Mm -hmm. we saw it next door. It was downstairs for me. I mean, it was just, it was just common. So, you know, 
when he was a little, you know, of course, at first they act like Prince Charming. They're perfect and they're oh, going to protect you and they're going, oh, yeah. They said Satan doesn't come with horns and uh, <laughs> and looking like a monster. He comes looking like Prince Charming, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But yeah, and so anyway. So what what kind of support did you have while once you came out of that situation? What where was your support, or what kind of support did you have as far as the church was concerned? Well, sadly, I really didn't. Mm. So that, and that is a, that's a huge issue. Yeah. So um, you're kind of ostracized. You're not looked at the same way. You're not invited the same way. I was very involved in my church. My children grew up in that church. They served in the church. It was a huge church. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were very, I mean, we were there every time the doors opened and it wasn't the same after the divorce and it wasn't the pastor he and his wife are good people, mm -hmm. but you can't, the pastor and his wife are not necessarily all the people who are members. Right. And so my children weren't treated the same. There is a judgmental spirit in the church. There's a judgmental spirit in the church, and that's a sad thing to have to say. But it's also sad to realize, and I, and you know, I had to deal with this because I sat there and thought, wow, I really feel kind of ostracized and people mm -hmm. are like, oh, you know, well, do you think you could have done something differently? <laughs> do you think you really had to get divorced? Do you think you could have just tried? Well, you know, maybe he was feeling bad about not earning as much as he, all kind of stuff, you know, Holy like I haven't cow. read every self-help book known to man or, yeah. or written by a Christian author. I, if I had that money back, I could have moved. But anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so, but then I had to deal with the fact that I was the person, I looked like I had it all together. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about the people who didn't. I was, I was on the, I was in the popular, uh, clique, I guess you would say. Okay. And, and I had it all together. So I was well liked and had a lot of friends and everything was fine. And I, I really wasn't thinking about somebody who might be sitting there who didn't have it all together. But mm -hmm. when your life really crumbles and everybody knows and they don't, they don't receive you, they don't care for you, they don't show you love, it's like, wow, this is what I was part of. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's a hard thing. It was a hard, you know, the fact that I still have, children who are Christians that I still have, I have a child who's a worship leader. She's not a child. She's a grown woman with, with her third baby on the way, but oh. you know, she's a worship leader at, at a church. Um, but then I have, I have some children. I, I have a couple who struggle with going to church because of things that were said to them during that time period. Yeah. Like, well, we just don't really have anything in common now. What? <laughs> really? You know. Mm. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Are we yeah. serving the same God? Where, where, where are you going? Yeah. Where is He yeah. in your life? Obviously, not in but, your life the way He's supposed yes. to be. But I did. I, it did make me realize that a lot of times in church we are we have it all together. Mm -hmm. We are we are really serious about being about serving the Lord, being His disciple being perfect, being blameless, and we, sur we surround ourselves with those same people. Yeah. And we are having those conversations, but we're not really going in and 
pulling the bedraggled with us, you know, and saying, hey, come and sit by me. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, You yeah, just exactly. don't even think about it. You birds of a feather flock together, so you just don't think about it. And then all of a sudden, here you are, and you can't, you know, it, everybody goes to Chick-fil-A after youth group, and your kids can't go to Chick-fil-A because you don't have Chick-fil-A money. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, you guys can go, you can get a soda, but you can't get dinner because we can't do that anymore, you know? So they can't even participate because Mm. you don't have the money and nobody thinks to say, hey, maybe we should say, can we help you? You know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It really changes how you think about it. And I I have one friend who's been through this same situation, strong Christian woman, life has changed drastically for her children and her children are not attending church now because they just can't deal with the, what they faced was hypocrisy and judgment (laughs) because their parents got divorced. She had to leave their father because he was dangerous Mm -hmm. and an abuser, but the church did not, did not wrap their arms around her and show her love. So I just, that's, that's the club that, unfortunately is it should not be in mm-hmm, the church mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The club that's the the club of the hypocrites is growing oh. in the church i'm sad to to, to say but it is mm-hmm. true my mm-hmm. husband um was a pastor we talked about that as a matter of fact last week that that mm-hmm. club is constantly growing because mm-hmm. People are so focused on, you know, trying to do the right thing and, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, um, pompous with their prayer <laughs> and saying all the right words. Like, like mm-hmm. it's really going to make a big difference the way that you're saying it, whether you're standing up, sitting down, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Then when you have someone who is hurting, who needs mm-hmm. God on a, so, on a whole different level, and you come into mm-hmm. the church, and no one's embracing you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what the church but, is supposed to be about. Exactly. But it's it has really been alert. It's almost to the point. In fact, I said at one point, I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to start a service. I think I'm just going to start my own church for the women who've been broken and yeah. <laughs> and aren't welcome at church because they're divorced. What is going on? You know. That is crazy. But it, it's just been, it's been really eye-opening, but um, it, I think on the other hand, it gives you more compassion. And I just, I, I guess I, all I could say is I hope it changes. I don't, I don't understand. I know that every church is not like that. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. No, I don't think that, I don't think that's across the board. Right. Um, I think there's some churches where if they, and I have to say that our church is a huge church and it was, and that's what happened to us. Mm-hmm. But there were a handful of people, and you know you can always count them on one hand, but there were a handful of people who, you know, the ones who came and, and the beds, whatever we did have, they took it in, you know, an open trailer and took us to the apartment I had found and, you know, that kind of thing. So there were a couple of people who came, and they were there, and they didn't they didn't say anything crazy. You know, they didn't say, well, why did, you know, why did you get divorced? <laughs> why did you just continue you just have to work it out because the bible says to be submissive to your husband that's a shame that 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 particular scripture has been just misused really out of context so badly it's ridiculous well i have to tell you after that i went to this other church and um i actually went in 
and I liked the church and I, I went to talk to the pastor and I told him what had happened. I just said, you know, this is crazy, but this is what I'm going through. And it's, it's really hard to even go to church mm-hmm. because of the way we were treated, you know, and, and I don't want to feel that way. I mean, I want to still participate in church. Right. And he said, you know, he said, the pastors are the ones who have to say, first of all, he said, even the stuff when, you know, they say you've got to stay together, even mm. if your husband cheats on you. Mm. He said, you know, they said the woman has to forgive and, and just treat him like nothing ever happened. Because if she holds it against him, then she's holding unforgiveness and bitterness. He said, <laughs> the hus- you know, the marriage contract is the contract. And when the husband cheats on the wife, he's broken the marriage contract. Mm-hmm. And so this man is sitting there listening. I'm thinking, this is the stuff I've always thought. But, you know, no one has ever said it. And, the, you know, when I thought of that, well, that's a blog post that I wrote, actually. But mm-hmm. we, as women, <clears throat> we are told, and, and I really do think it's because and your husband sounds different, I have to say. He sounds wonderful. But a lot, no, no, really, from the things Thank that you've you. said. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you, you're a blessed woman, <laughs> for real. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I think because men are the ones in the pulpit, usually speaking, they're thinking of it from a man's perspective and they're saying, look, he made a mistake, you know, quote unquote mistake. He's asked for forgiveness. You have to forgive him, but you can't keep holding it against him. You have to go back to just the way it was. Mm. Well, he has broken the marriage contract. So he should have to, really, if you think about it, yeah, he should have to re-pursue you. And basically he should have to reinstate the marriage contract because he broke it. Yeah. I mean, how could he expect you to just pretend like nothing happened? Something right. drastic happened. <laughs> Definitely. You know, so yeah, so you take that and then you take someone trying to choke you to death or trying to, you know, or someone throwing you down the stairs. I mean, you can't really trust that person and and forgive and forget. So Yeah, it doesn't um, doesn't work that way. Not at all. No. So I did, you know, I did everything you were supposed to do. I prayed, I I you know, I forgave. I basically women stay for different reasons and I've heard more than women say more than one woman say it was for my reason. And I stayed because I had seen my, I met my father when I was three mm-hmm. and I saw, you know, I met him and I saw him turn around and walk away. Wow. So I okay. never wanted, I never wanted my kids to see their father turn around and walk away. Yeah. I wanted my children to have a father and that was it. So I was just going to stay, you know, really when they say come hell or high water, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it that way, but no matter what, my kids were going to have a dad, you know, And I remember my daughter being 15 and I thought she was in her room doing her homework. This is when it was really, really escalating. And I went in her room to check on her. I thought she was in there doing homework. And she said, how much can we afford? And I said, you know, she's working on the computer. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, how much can we afford? How much can you afford without him? And she's looking at apartments and that just broke my heart. She's like, I know we can't stay here. And I want to know how much you think you can do you know, what kind of place should I be looking for? And I, you know, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I am going to get us out of here. Yeah. I love you guys and I'm going to get you out of this situation. And I'm sorry you were ever in this situation. And then she said, the only thing I don't understand, and this is so profound. She said, the only thing I don't understand is why women think a man who can't be a good man and can't be a good husband to them can be a good father to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, I don't know, but grown women think it every day. 
Wow. We think, well, that's okay. He can treat me anyway, as long, any kind of way, as long as he's good to those kids, you know? And of course he can't be. A monster is not going to be good to the kids either. Exactly. In fact, he's still um, causing damage anyway, because of the fact that he is doing what he's doing to the mom. So there's... And they see that. that. Mm -hmm. So it does affect them. Absolutely. It's crazy. So yeah. I know that you are also an author, and what is the name of your book? It's Break the Silence, No More Tears. Okay. And this is a compilation project uh, where women told their stories of domestic and sexual abuse. And so, you know, just being asked to write that was kind of incredible because you have to, I mean, the story is a very long story, you know, and you it's a short story format, so you have to basically succinctly tell your story in I don't know I guess it was about eight to ten pages <laughs> yeah but it was basically the story you're you're telling the story of your life mm-hmm. and your situation of domestic abuse and how you got free so um, yeah I you know it's the short story version and I did it that way Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be part of that kind of a, a book writing experience. First of all, to get experience being a published author. Mm-hmm. And then because I do know I'm going to write an entire book one day. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so I, yeah, so I didn't want to give away the whole story, so to speak. <laughs> so this is like a short taste of the story. Okay. And so is yeah. where can um, individuals purchase that book? On Amazon. It's on awesome. Amazon. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you have any other projects that you're uh, currently working on or any projects you're going to have in the future? Well, um, like I said, I'm going to work on the book. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been, I've been working on it, to be honest. I've been writing it. I'm working on my book and I'm tr- I am going to speak at an event next month awesome. in Miami. Yeah. It's called, it's the survivor's ball. So I will be advertising that on my website and on Facebook. Okay. And it's kind of a unique concept. A friend of mine, she actually also coaches women coming out of domestic violence. And she is giving a ball where she's going to have survivors speak and honor the survivors. Okay. And she asked me to speak and tell my story at this event. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, it was kind of, um, a weird feeling because I'm always the one rescuing other people, but I don't even really stop to think of myself as a survivor. Mm-hmm. So to have someone say they're honoring me as a survivor was something I really had to wrap my head around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, you did, you were, you were a survivor and you made it out. And somebody's saying that's amazing and you should tell that story. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty humbling. And I, I have to really, I'm really praying about what to say at that event. Yeah. I think, I honestly think I'm kind of the poster child for what not to do because I, the other women, I've seen the other women on the poster that are going to be survivors speaking there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm the oldest, definitely. So my, my story, my point would probably be not, don't stay 27 years, you know, <laughs> yeah. be smart, leave sooner, you know, ask God what he would have you. He does not want his daughters mistreated. Amen. Think of how you love your own children. Think of how you try to protect them from the abuse. Think of how you have them walking on eggshells. You think you're keeping them safe, but you would actually be rescuing them by leaving. 
Yes. And, um, you know, so it's just, that's what's coming up next. I'm, I'm awesome. going to be going to Miami in September. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so how can people reach you? I know that you do blogging as well. So how can people be able to read some of your blogs and everything? Um, they can go to my website, which is at shepiphany.org. It's S-H-E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y dot O-R-G. And then they can do forward slash blog if they just want to go straight to the blog. Okay. And there are several blog articles there. Um, it also has my contact information. They can send me a message. I also have a Facebook page for Shepiphany. And then I also have my personal Facebook page, Terry awesome. Lynn Bonwood. And awesome. my phone number is on um, my phone number is on the website. So they okay. can also reach me by phone. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So do you have any last words for our listening audience? I just think that as Christians, we really have to be very careful not to say, I would never do that. You know, I've heard people say that I was that woman and I was in the situation and no one knew. And people would be talking about somebody else and saying, I wish he would hit me or, you know, or I would never do that. I would do this. I would do that. And the truth is, um, you know, in certain communities, the rate of abuse is even higher than one in three women. It's one in four. So, you know, it's better to just say, I wish if somebody was going through that, they would tell me because I would help them. Yeah. And so I think we just have to be careful to say, is everything okay? You know, if you ever have anything you need to talk about, you can tell me. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be careful as women, especially that when somebody tells us something in confidence to keep it in confidence. Exactly. I've heard that from women where they say, I just don't feel like I can talk to anybody because when I, I've said something, I've shared something very personal and then they told the group, you know, so we, we just have to really, we have to think of people. I almost think we have to think of each person, like the story of the good Samaritan, you know, look at that person. And if you're not going to stop and help them and, and wrap the bandage on them and pick them up and go pay for the room, just keep walking. You know, if you're not going to say something good and uplifting and pray for them and help them, then you're not going to add any value. So and then you need to really assess where you're at in your walk, you know, because we are supposed to be showing the unconditional love of Jesus and we are supposed to be his hands and feet. So we I, I would like to say that I would just be like this, even if I hadn't gone through anything. But I don't know that, you know, so I think it's it would be a lot better for us to care about other people, whether we've been through a certain situation or not. Right. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Support, support, support. Yeah. Just love each other and just say, you know, (laughs) yeah. If you need something, I'll tell you a funny story to end. This will be funny (laughs) because it's funny to me even when I think about it now. (laughs) So So I finally found a little apartment. I had my little place, had my little job. We were free. You know, we came home. We didn't have to sit out in the driveway and say, oh, God, what's it going to be like when we go in? Yeah. And, we, you know, it was good. And then the, then the raggedy refrigerator was dying, you know, and water was pouring out of it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I came home. The little bit of food I had was ruined. The refrigerator was dead. So, I, like I said, I had three couples from church who were still talking to me. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, if you guys know anybody who has an old refrigerator or something I could buy, I've got about $50. So they come and they went and 
and bought like a, I don't know, a dented one or something. They went and bought me a refrigerator. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you don't know what this means to me. I said, all oh, my food was ruined, but I don't even care. Now I got the refrigerator. I'll just get some food next week, whatever. Yeah. I said, and you know what really bothers me? I was so mad. I said, I had just bought all the condiments. They were like, what? <laughs> but when you, listen, when you don't, when you're poor, yes. I had just bought the Miracle Whip. The, the mustard the, we didn't have nothing so I had just bought everything I had bought you know I got paid I bought my ketchup miracle whip mayonnaise you know mustard everything I said now everything's bad I got no salad dressing all the condiments are ruined and so it's the little they, things that you really actually so appreciate exactly <laughs> do you know they came back they went and told the other the other lady I was friends with and she came back and she walked in my house and she gave me a, she gave me a hundred dollar gift card. And she said, girl, I want you to go buy your condiments. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the story to this yes. day. They said, don't mess with the condiments. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. But God, but that, that is so important. And that is the picture of how God will give you the desires of even the tiny things. He's like, mm -hmm. and when that happened, I was like, you know, when he says he's got you, I mean, he, he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. Listen, I needed the mustard and the ketchup and the, and the Miracle Whip. I can't have a sandwich without a Miracle Whip. You just he can't said, do it. It'll be listen, all dry and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, it's bad enough for her. I'm going to have to get her the condiments. Yes. <laughs> Man. So, well, yeah, that's what Harry, happened. It has been an awesome pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story and being transparent, <laughs> even with the condiments that you had to have. <laughs> you replaced. will never forget that. <laughs> I will never forget that story for sure. So, but Thank I you really, so much. Yes, I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing and your story. And I want you guys to ship to to follow her on her website. Um, give her a call. Um, individuals that are listening to this podcast right now that may be going through domestic violence situation and they feel like you can't get out, specifically individuals that are in the church that feel like there is condemnation for leaving. Mm -hmm. Rest assured. She is a living witness that God is with you all the way and because he said yes. that he would never leave you nor forsake mm -hmm. you. So, no. Perry, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for caring. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You are very welcome. This is Althea with Wove Inspirations Midweek Motivation. We're almost there. God bless. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Midweek Motivation on Wove Inspiration. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you would like to be a guest on the show, email your bio and picture to woveinspiration at gmail.com. If you would like to continue the conversation, make a comment, or you have any questions, you can share them on Wove Inspiration's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. This is your host, Althea Richardson. You're almost there. Keep moving forward.